0: Two Mon Men. I am Yanato Baloo, here once again with...
1: Michael Darling, as always.
0: Although not really with Michael Darling, we're still in lockdown, socially distanced uh, recording mode right now. Um, so Darling and I are recording from miles apart, thanks to the magic of
1: technology. The internet, baby. It's wonderful, except for the horrible parts.
0: Yeah, stay away from those horrible parts. Um, I'm not going to go rattling off sites, because then fans of those sites are going to come after me. But Twitter,
1: Facebook, Amazon...
0: yeah i was making a joke the other day that like if you'd ask me to pick which internet giant like 15 years ago was going to turn into the biggest supervillain of our of 2020 i would not have guessed amazon the site where i ordered video games and books from was going to be it (laughs)
1: like my smart money would have been on google but yeah well i mean google's probably high up there in terms of evil but it's not as transparent as amazon
0: I mean, they're not great, but, yeah, they're also not outwardly, like, shitting on the proletariat like
1: Amazon consistently Uh, does. God, you ever see those bots? Maybe not even bots, but, like, someone's creating them for Amazon where it's like, I'm a normal worker at Amazon. You can trust me on how good it is here. And if you look deep in their history, you'll see that it's, like, a woman named Melinda who's then referring to herself as Steve in another post. Yeah, it's absurd.
0: Oh, yeah. I've heard of those stories. I mean, that's uh, that's tale as old as time. But I mean, it's also the fact that, like, they're not just... Other companies do that to, like, post positive reviews on Glassdoor and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or on Yelp. Uh, Amazon does it to promote that they are not mistreating their workers. <laughs> like, really uh. basic stuff that they shouldn't have to reassure the public of. Mm-hmm. But I mean, amid all the uh, COVID nineteen stuff, you know, there's been there was the uh, Long Island supervisor who was fired because he was organizing a protest against um, lack of PPE equipment.
1: Yeah, um, and then Jay Carney, who used to be Obama's press secretary, he was just he now works for Amazon because he's gone full dark side, uh, and he was trashing this guy on Twitter, but saying like, oh well, you know, he should have been more responsible. And then the next day, the notes came out, the kind of leaked here are our talking points for how to uh, slam this guy who's trying to protect lives. And Carney immediately went silent.
0: Yep. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, again, just how evil Amazon is. But guys, if you can, uh, cancel your Amazon Prime memberships. Don't shop at Whole Foods. I've actually been making the point of walking the extra three blocks for my groceries to Ralph's, which I know doesn't sound like a huge difference, but... There's a Whole Foods literally right next door, and I walk past that place just because fuck Jeff Bezos. Mm. Um, But anyway, COVID-19 stuff aside, obviously it's all anybody's talking about. It's pretty much what's going on. Uh, We are still going to have our usual episode of Mon Men uh, minus Mon Mom because we don't have a guest host to compete with this week. Uh, So we're just going to dive right in. Darling, how does that sound to you?
1: Yeah, sounds good. We've got six weirdos today, all of them kind of single stage. We'll, we'll explain. Uh, so we figured that it made the most sense just for it to be Baloo and I today. Kicking it old school.
0: Yeah, going back to the, uh, as I like to refer to them, the uh, the dark days, the primordial days of the podcast when we were just getting started. Um, one so microphone in a dream. One microphone in a dream. I remember that. Yeah, we used to record on a uh, single standing mic. Now we actually have our own microphones. Yeah. Um, so to start us off, we're going with, we're going to start with uh, Murkrow, which at the time of its release in Gen Two is a single stage evolution and later gets an evolution. Um, so, yeah. darling, why don't you cue us up with the bio?
1: Murkrow is a dark and flying Pokemon. Naturally, because dark types are brand new in this generation, it is the first of its kind with that typing. And I'm a fan of Murkrow personally.
0: I am ish. Um, I love crows. I mean, my my fascination and adoration of crows as a genus and family, well documented on this podcast. I've rambled about them plenty of times. Um, but I'm a little bit disappointed that the first true crow raven Pokemon that we get in Pokemon is looks like it comes out of the Flintstones. Um, <laughs> like, it just has like the schlubbiest, saddest look on its face. Like, it just looks like it's ready to look at the camera, shrug, and say, it's a living.
1: Yeah. It's weird. They used to make it look just a little bit more, if not terrifying, at least you could say, like, oh, yeah, that's a mean-looking bird. But over the last two decades, they've made it look a lot more softer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it looks more like a nuisance now.
0: And it's weird that they kind of add in, like, those little flourishes and changes over the course of generational changes. Like, the designs themselves evolve, even within certain Pokémon. We've talked about Pikachu, but... Pikachu's not the only one that happens to.
1: Yeah. I I think Um, with Murkrow, it's more like it's just they've given it a different attitude. mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the Mischief Maker thing scans because crows have that reputation, um, especially the whole extended family of crows, magpies, and rooks and all that stuff. I mean, that's one of the most fascinating things about them is that they're not just intelligent like other birds and other animals are. They use that intelligence to just generally fuck with humans. <laughs> um, you know, I think a uh, friend of the show, Alex Cresswick, last time she was on the pod, uh we shared that story about how crows are smart enough in neighborhoods to actually learn trash days and trash schedules.
1: Oh, that's great. So that they
0: will intentionally like scope out and like stake out areas of the streets where they know trash is about to be emptied so that they can like swoop into the empty canisters for refuse. Um, (laughs) But more recently, she sent me this video because I was doing this. I was doing, like, armchair internet research on animals one night. I was in a mood and wanted to relax by reading about animals. And so I crowdsourced a bunch of people to recommend animals I should learn about.
1: There Um, was an elephant with a kill count, wasn't there?
0: It was a crocodile. That was recommended by uh, also former co-host of the show, Mandy Bossard, who recommended Gustav the Crocodile, who has his own Wikipedia page because he has a... Uh, I don't know if it's a completely confirmed kill count, but it is a reliable <laughs> kill count of 300 people or more. Um, so yeah, so I was so Alex Cresswick contributed to this by uh, recommending first I read up on tardigrades, which I recommend anybody read up on. But oh, then she I also shared, yeah. But then also in response to the magpie uh, request on that post, shared this amazing video that'll be in the show notes of a uh, radio show host uh, trying different methods of distracting a magpie, and just the results of her test of trying to paint eyes onto the back of her bike helmet are hilarious. Um, And also that, so that also leads to the broader realization that apparently crows are, what we call crows are just kind of this broad family that include magpies, includes rooks, ravens. Um, And here's the weird thing. I apparently, until I did this, You know, casual internet research. I actually had the two reversed. I thought that crows were the larger between crows and ravens. Like they both look more or less the same, but I always thought ravens were the smaller one. Um, But apparently, ravens are the much larger of the two. Really? Yeah. And so that totally repaints my uh, my reading of Edgar Allan Poe's "The Raven," because Because I always used
1: this little annoying bird rather than this big honking annoying bird.
0: Yeah, it's a very different sort of menace in that. So it's like, before I was like, okay, the raven's saying nevermore, and it's just like, all right, just, you know, it's a little bird, just <laughs> lock it in the room. But no, it's like, if you have this honking, foot-tall bird flapping around your house, screaming nevermore, it's kind of a pest control issue. You're going to be a little bit upset and distraught by it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of height, Murkrow is one eight, which, you yeah, know, respectable, respectable.
0: Yeah, and that's uh so that's right up there so that's actually closer to the raven size. As I mentioned, the oh. crows are the smaller of the two, so and I mean we you I think we talked about last episode that there are other raven inspired Pokemon coming up later down the line. Yeah. Um and they do take the fa- the Latin family name of the species which is Corvidae, um, as inspiration, which I thought was really clever. Yeah. Well and the uh, first one
1: in that family is Rookidee. So yeah, they're really going with the whole thing.
0: Yeah. And so one other thing, while we're talking about the different species that exist in our world, everybody knows the term for a gathering of crows is a murder of crows. These sorts of little factoids about like what the collective noun is for different animals are some of my favorite things to look up because they're just always so interesting. A group of rooks is called a confederate and a group of magpies is called a parliament.
1: I think owls are parliaments also. Really? Yeah. And...
0: Are you already looking it up?
1: Well, I'm looking up a different one because, uh...
0: Yeah, they are called a parliament. That's interesting that they share the two. Usually you don't see that, but, uh...
1: There's a group of kangaroos. I'm trying to find it. Uh, Oh, a mob of kangaroos.
0: That's perfect. Kangaroos can be quite pestilent, apparently.
1: Mob, troop, or court.
0: I think I mean I feel like court it has to be just because we also have that like term of kangaroo court in our uh, in our lexicon as well mm. so I feel like court would be the most likely thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, one other thing that they kind of do in a really interesting way and this is one of the bits of Pokemon lore that you dig into Bul- Bulbapedia and find that I really like um is that they took something that is actually in these creatures in the real world so crows have a perception and magpies have this perception it's not actually documented by science but um that they're obsessed with shiny objects Um, and they took that in this world um and they tied it into the fact that well we already have a cat that's really into shiny objects (laughs) as well meowth and that that makes these two sort of natural enemies in the wild and so they also do an interesting parallel where the fact that this is a dark type is why it is, uh, why Murkrow is considered a, uh, a symbol of misfortune. We attach a similar sort of uh, bad luck or omen of ill tides to crows when we see them going around.
1: Um, no, I don't know why, I just piece. remember this.
0: Uh, sixth grade reading list. Did you ever read The Good Earth by Pearl S. Buck? No, actually,
1: but I know of it. Yeah,
0: there we go. I just remember that there was, like, one chapter where it ends with, like, the farmer seeing, like, crows gathering over his farmland, and that being the uh, the indicator to the audience, like, shit's about to get real bad.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, It's weird that they've got a bunch of Pokemon, maybe not weird, but they have a bunch of Pokemon who are Dark-type, but it's more just because they are considered bad omens, they're not necessarily bad themselves. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, th- I think that's true and reflective of actual lore that we attach to bad omens in real life like um you know black cats there's nothing actually unlucky about them that's just something we've attached to them you
1: and say unfortun- that, but meg's cat marlo who is a tuxedo cat he decides he's gonna wake me up every morning at like 8 30 and i'm not ready for that as he
0: should, because he's keeping you disciplined and on a routine. That's the most important thing while we're all in this uh, stay-at-home situation. Marlo's looking out for you. He's keeping you both sane and healthy by keeping you on a routine.
1: Yeah, but that's not my routine. 8.30, I wake up later. I'm a writer. <laughs> if, it yeah. if
0: it weren't for Marlo, you'd be waking up at 2.30, half unsure
1: what day it is. Please, 10 o'clock, 10.15 at the latest. Uh, but no, like seriously, just last night as I was going to bed marlo came climbing into bed which i'm not opposed to but mm-hmm. this time i did a thing where i just would open my eye and every so often as i opened it he would get progressively closer till eventually his head was right at my face and i was like okay no time for you to go you're done <laughs> you're done you lost bed privileges just now you I definitely put your head against my face
0: Cordy, as I've mentioned, is not a very, like, cuddly, affectionate dog, which is one of the greatest injustices of life because she has, like, the softest, cuddliest fur and just hates anybody, like, crowding her space. (laughs) But the one thing that does get her to, like, approach me is if I sound mildly annoyed by a video game I'm playing for whatever reason or if I'm, like, just sound mildly annoyed. Like, I was watching watching a Let's Play of the Resident Evil 2 remake Mm -hmm. because I never actually beat it because it was way too stressful for me. And because I like... The was remake look-
1: or the original or both? Uh,
0: I've played the original. Um, I've beaten the original, but the remake is actually so different that I really wanted to see how it ends. Oh, okay. um, like what the final climax is. And I just couldn't get... Like once uh, once Mr. X started coming around, I was just like, nope, nope, not having it. This, <laughs> is, this is no bueno. Like Because the game takes away your safe spaces. Like spaces that you thought were safe, Mr. X can get into now.
1: Oh, you don't like that snowflake? Um,
0: and he's just, yeah, and it's just terrifying. I couldn't handle it, so I gave up on it. Um, but, but yeah, Cordy, I was, like, watching this guy Let's Play It, and I just got annoyed because he couldn't figure out this puzzle, so I just, like, groaned in my bed while I'm watching this YouTube video, <laughs> like, come on, just put the key there, blah, blah, blah. And Cordy just instantly, like, trots over from where she was sleeping across the apartment, jumps up into bed, and comes right up to me, like, concerned.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to find it now, but I saw the other day, you know the Hard Times?
0: Uh, Yeah, heard of them. Yeah, Uh,
1: their spinoff site, Hard Drive, had, oh, here it is. Uh, Their headline that they posted earlier today was, walkthrough confirms part you're stuck on not even a puzzle.
0: Oh man, <laughs> there were times. There are times where I've like tried to watch Let's Plays, and I've definitely seen like that gets me to shut the video off immediately when it's like two people that have just hit a point that is not a puzzle, is nothing. But they're just like insisting on like, can this do anything? Can this do anything? Can this do anything? Like, I don't know. Maybe we're supposed to do something with this, and there's no indication <laughs> from the game that's that this fine. is anything. I mean, I've mentioned that I've run a D and D game. That is a uh, that is a constant challenge of D and D is like you kind of like just have a pass through spot for your players, but the players decide, no, this is the most important place. This is the most important NPC. Hmm. Um, Sonny and Cher who run a sex therapy farm are the most important people, not the museum with the priceless artifact that they're trying to, uh, to steal from. (laughs) We need to stay here and create a partnership with this fuck farm.
1: (laughs) I mean, they're not wrong. Uh, I mean, they're not wrong and
0: it has been very profitable.
1: The thing I hate on the let's Plays like there's the let's plays where it's clearly, this is someone doing a walkthrough for you to watch and they've already beaten the game and they know how to do everything versus the let's play that is just like, well, I'm playing this for the first time. And if you have come here to try to figure something out, well, sorry, you're out of luck because I'm going to take 30 minutes to solve this puzzle. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. At that point I start like fast forwarding it by 30 second increments. Yeah. 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 And just like look to see when they're in a different room. Yeah. Um, but yeah so tell us about uh so you have in the notes here that you want to talk about where we find this guy
1: voice in the world too it's just that kind of nasally like well let's see about this one no (laughs) that didn't work (laughs) there's a very distinct youtuber voice it's very weird
0: oh i do so i have this whole thing in my D &D game where i do like my demons send warlocks uh messages via tiktok (laughs) It's the only reason I have a TikTok, but, like, I'll so I'll, like, record these selfie videos. So one of them does, like, a very in- posh English, like, I put on a suit, and he does, like, a posh English sort of newscaster voice. You would. But then the other one is, like, straight up wearing a hat tilted three quarters and, uh, and speaks like he's a vaporwave DJ. And that is, in my opinion, just the standard, like, yo, what up, it's your boy Krampus.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's either that voice or it's, like, the... Remember to like and subscribe.
0: Oh man, yeah. Krampus would be all about asking people to like and subscribe.
1: If you like this, leave a note in the comments.
0: All right, well, uh, so Murkrow, uh, I want to get back to the shiny because this is a shiny that I'm a huge fan of. I mean, I normally go in on the shinies being boring or too close to the original color kind of being boring, but this one, while being close to the original color, like it's just one shade over on the color wheel technically from blue. But this is a really interesting use of that that I think
1: fits the creature. Well, would you say that Murkrow naturally is black or navy blue?
0: I'd say, I mean, I'm going to quote one of my favorite limited series on Netflix, Neo Yokio, and say that it is the darkest shade of midnight blue away
1: from black. Yeah, I'll give that to you. I'll give that to you. But yeah, uh, it's shiny, makes the whole body kind of this royal, almost uh, Minnesota Vikings purple.
0: Yeah, I was going to go with like just general artificial grape-flavoring
1: purple. Oh, that's a good description.
0: Um, but yeah, I love it, because it still feels like a dark Pokemon. It would be weird if they made his shiny white, because then all of a sudden, like it's not a dark Pokemon anymore, if that makes sense.
1: Mm. Well, the, but, the shiny mega form of Gengar is white, and that works really well, because it's just creepy, but... Uh, yeah, I think Which, this one needs to be this purple or some other weird, darker color.
0: I will debate that in Gengar's case, it makes sense, because a white specter isn't an unheard-of thing. But then also in Japanese lore, or like in Japanese like folklore, white is a color they associate with death in this Japanese culture. So yeah. so I yeah. think that fits really well for Gengar. It'd be a little bit weirder with a dark-type Pokémon, as opposed to like the literal, life-stealing, terrifying menace that we know Gengar to be.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, this Royal Purple's great, uh, especially just to get ahead of things a little bit. Haunt Crow, it's evolved form. Uh, it winds up just looking majestic as fuck because Haunt mm-hmm. Crow looks like it's wearing a bigger hat. Uh, and so when I got a shiny Murkrow in Pokemon Go, I evolved it into Haunt Crow and named it Darkwing, like Darkwing Duck because it looks just should. like that. Um...
0: So you mentioned here that this is a weird kind of situation about where we find Murkrow in the original game and Gen 2's uh, gold and silver.
1: Yeah. Uh, so a very strange thing about gold, silver, and crystal was that a lot of the new Pokemon, like a significant amount, were saved until you got to Kanto, which is technically the post-game of the game. Uh, but what's even weirder... Oh, well, no, that's one that will come up in a little bit. But yeah, Murkrow, uh, it... Shows up in Kanto. Like, you've already beaten the eight gym leaders of your region. You've beaten the Elite Four. You're now going back to the land from the first games. And there are new Pokemon still popping up. Which is weird to me, because it's like... These are supposed to be the new Pokemon in this new area.
0: I mean, I kind of...
1: I will agree it's a weird
0: choice to put all new Pokemon into Kanto and kind of like retcon that Kanto has this diversity of the country next door. But the one thing I want to discuss with you is that you're referring to it as post-game content when, I don't know, the Kanto run felt like the third act of the game to me.
1: Well, I think technically it's supposed to be the post-game because you've got the credit sequence after you've beaten the Elite Four. Mm -hmm. So the game proper is supposed to be... Uh, Just you go through Johto, you beat the eight gym leaders like you did in the previous game. You Mm -hmm. beat the Elite Four like you did in the previous game. But then, oh, Professor Oak has dropped by again. He's giving you a ticket to go on this boat. that will take you to Kanto, and you get to explore the region from the previous games, which is still one of the coolest things in video games to me. And I like how they they...
0: updated the gym leaders from blue and red to like sabrina i remember sabrina having like a very different vibe about her character design um like she'd come down off of like it basically felt like how she would be after ash met her in the show so to speak
1: yeah well misty is dressed a little more mature as well like it's clear that two or three years have passed since the events of red and blue and i think that's a great choice narratively it's
0: kind of like that John Mulaney bit that ends with him saying, and he was wearing glasses so that I know that time had passed. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I liked the idea of that being kind of, I, yeah, because I, but I kind of looked at it as like the third act more than post-game. I guess the credits do justify the post-game idea, but like, because your goal is to be the Pokemon champion. Mm. And going through those eight gyms is all the, all about you earning the right to fight Red, um, to take uh, to take that truth that title completely yeah. and truly away from the prequel game.
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing is that everything with Canto is supposed to be a surprise. Technically, mm. like you're supposed to just go through it. You beat eight gym leaders like before. You beat the Elite Four like like before. You're kind of tipped a little bit in that you wind up going to Indigo Plateau, which is where the Elite Four is in Gen 1, Mm -hmm. and some of the Elite Four are similar members from the first games. Uh, So it kind of reveals itself over time that, hey, you're going to go back to where we were before, but it's not nearly... It wasn't advertised that way. It wasn't... uh, I don't think it was even in the original programming. Uh, I'm blanking on his proper name, but Iowata, who was the programmer... Uh, at HAL for a long time, became president of Nintendo up until a couple years ago when he died. Uh, He basically came in and fixed the programming for Gold and Silver and managed to fit all of Kanto on there. So Hmm. clearly it was, if not an afterthought, definitely intended to be sort of bonus.
0: I mean, I kind of wonder, like, with the whole Oak coming up and telling you very directly, like, here's a ticket, go to Mm Kanto. Like, if they didn't have it as, like, maybe hidden post-game content, for people to find originally and then they decided oh no wait it's way too hard for the average player to just discover that you can walk into this original country we have to have oak come up and blatantly tell you um and maybe they just had it as like a limited area type of thing where you could just go through and like fight a few gym leaders or something like that
1: huh. i mean i feel like if we don't know the full planning process obviously but mm-hmm. i feel like it was always intended to be in there in some way like, I don't think they're ever going to hide it because that's just so much that they'd be hiding. Mm. Plus, again, like, there are Pokemon that are only available over on the Kanto side of the map. Like Murkrow, or even Pikachu. Like, you can't encounter Pikachu until the post game.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. All yeah. right, I'm uh, good on Murkrow. One other thing about Murkrow, uh, I love its design because the pointy head is supposed to resemble a witch's hat. But mm. I've always read it more as a Mafia Goon fedora which I feel like was supported when they introduced Hans Crow, who is totally just Don Crow Leone.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely seeing the, like, mafia guy thing, because, like, especially, like, with the, like, kind of furrowed brow look that oh, yeah. it has, it definitely has, like, the look of, like, mafia muscle that's, like, coming in and cracking its knuckles a little bit, or giving, like, it just looks like one of the, gu- like one of the mafia guys from The Simpsons. Yeah,
1: he looked like he would call you a wise guy.
0: Yep, 100%. Yeah.
1: Uh, and one last note from me on Murkrow is we've talked about how it loves to steal shiny things, but one of my favorite hilarious Pokedex entries so far in this project uh, comes from Pokemon Moon, which is which mentions that it steals things and also, get it gives presents, objects that sparkle or shine, to trainers it's close to. And I'm just thinking, Pokedex, where do those presents from, Mo- from Murkrow come from?
0: Uh, from its booty hole, probably.
1: Oh, pfft. I was just thinking more like, hey, do you realize that your Murkrow is stealing shit and giving it to you?
0: Yeah, it's just that it's just storing it for the time being. I mean it's not like that little uh thing that I think it's like the Niddler or whatever that oh, they yeah. have in the Fantastic Beasts movie that's like has like a marsupial pouch.
1: Oh, you said Nibbler and I thought you meant from Futurama.
0: Oh, I mean that's another legend. We absolutely love Nibbler because Nibbler was like a whole multi season setup for a reveal. Yeah. Would say
1: established in the first episode.
0: Yeah, it's legit. Nibbler's Shadow is in the first episode.
1: Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing.
0: Yeah, spoilers for Futurama, which is now, what, like 10 years past cancellation or something like that? Or it's like, it, I think it the, had a final episode.
1: I think the final, final season that was on Comedy Central was like 2013 or something.
0: Yeah, so we're coming close on 10 years now, so that's... Yeah past the statute of limitations for spoilers. It's been all over the internet and Buzzfeed articles and stuff like that. We're not (laughs) spoiling anything.
1: Yeah. Well, Um, I mean the Nibbler reveals were, you know, back in the early days of the 21st century. So, mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, first they revealed that Nibbler is intelligent. Like I think in season two, like he can speak. Yeah. And then they revealed much later on that he was the one, I think it was like season four or something like that, that they revealed that he was the one that tipped Fry's uh, chair. Yeah. Um, But, moving on to another intelligent creature, Slowking.
1: (laughs) Alright, just like it's... So, Slowking evolves from Slowpoke while holding the King's Rock, and just like Slowpoke, it is a water and psychic type.
0: Yep, and we've got some uh, news coming up on this guy for this summer, darling. Uh, you've been keeping up with the Galar region developments because you have actually been playing Sword and Shield. Yeah, I have. Um, I know you've kind of uh, let it go by the wayside a bit in favor of Animal Crossing of late, but uh, but what have we got coming up with this guy in the summer?
1: Well, so we have DLC coming out this summer, uh, and we don't know much about the DLC other than you know new regions, well, not new regions, but new areas to travel to uh, some new legendaries, some new regional types, some new uh, um, just Pokemon that previously weren't in the game to encounter, like old Pokemon that are coming back. Uh, but regarding the Slowpoke line, there is a Galarian Slowpoke that is pure Psychic. Basically, it looks like our classic Slowpoke, but it has a little bit more yellow on them. I think is the only way I could really describe it. Uh, and so we know there will be a Slowking Galarian form. Uh, we just don't know what it looks like yet. We don't know what its typing is going to be. What we do know is that uh, we've seen part of it. We've seen the lower half, and its neck ruffle looks more like an opera cape.
2: Hmm. Interesting. So,
1: you no, know, I think the question is, you know, maybe this is a mon mod here, but water psychic kind of boring. If you're going to create this branch evolutionary path, what would you like to see? for a slow king that evolves from a pure psychic slow poke.
0: I mean, so the so I'm looking at the images right now, and the opera cape gives me a very Phantom of the Opera type of vibe. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if they've, like, have we ever had a dark psychic type?
1: Oh, I want to say yes. Yes, yeah. Uh, I think Gen 6 introduced one.
0: Because I'm just trying, just going by the design there, or maybe a ghost psychic type or something, because there's just got to be, I can't think of what else that taped that cape design could go with in terms of a typing, other than ghost or dark. Yeah. Like, I it don't. just feels too phantom Like, if, like, I'm even looking at the back, and it's very bat-like in design. Like, it's a straight-up, like, kid's Halloween Dracula cape that they yeah. slapped on sloking. so...
1: Yeah, I'm very intrigued about what the shelter helmet is going to look like, or crown rather. Uh, so, just to back up, we'll get back to this in a moment, but to back up, so Slow King is basically, I think it's clever in that it is the reverse of uh, Slow Bro in a way, where Slow Bro was what if a Slow Poke's tail got bitten by a shelter? Instead, it's what if the head bit was hmm. bitten by the shelter? uh so i think that's a fun little twist probably the most interesting thing about this pokemon um yeah but outside of that i don't really have much to say about like i mean i pointed
0: out that i mean i thought that the whole venom thing about you know because i i thought it was just about like the pain kind of being like this sort of distraction like inducing thing like just the impact of a shelter biting somewhere on this creature is creating a pain that sort of cuts down the white noise or helps speed up its thought process a little bit mm-hmm. turns out that in Slowking, king they say that there's venom actually being slowly leached into his brain directly so first off that means Slowking's psychic abilities come from it tripping balls just constantly <laughs> like and then secondly it's basically pokemon bane like it is the bane of pokemon <laughs> nobody cared who i was before i put on the shelter <laughs>
2: oh no
0: (laughs) but apparently
1: apparently
0: that uh apparently that shelter venom (laughs) oh man this is just gonna devolve to us doing doing bad bane impressions i'm here for it um But, so this guy can apparently speak English. We've we've met another Pokemon that is capable of speaking human tongue. Um, Wow. Which, yeah, they said the height... So they say in the Bulbapedia that, like, the heightened brain function does allow it to actually potentially communicate with humans in our language. And that this is seen in the show. Huh. um, Which, again... Because I'm thinking, like I'm remembering back to Alex Cresswick's episode, because I brought her up for the Magpie thing. She had a whole lot of issues with like how sentient these Pokemon were, and the fact that this is like, wait, if they're capable of these higher intellectual functions, this is slavery. This isn't like hmm. pet rearing. This is slavery, and Slowking absolutely fits that bill. Oh yeah, um, because he's just able to do that. But I do, I like the design except for the weird neck ruffle that just kind of appears out of nowhere. Um, I get that they're trying to go a little, lean a little bit more back towards the water thing. But to be honest, I like, I like Slowpoke's original design as being like a very sort of hippopotamus meets an otter
1: type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like this uh, you know, cartoon hippo thing going on.
0: Yeah, so I don't think they need to, uh, I don't think they need to add, like, these alternate sort of, uh, like, flourishes, like the neck ruffle and stuff like that. So I'll be real interested to see how that shelter kind of changes to become half hood, half cape Hmm. to keep it up. And I mean, that's, like, looking at the ruffle design on the back of the cape, that's what it seems like to me. It's a shelter that's kind of attached to the neck now.
1: Are we talking about the Galarian one? Yeah, I'm talking about okay. Galarian
0: Slowking. Sorry, I jumped yeah. back there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean it doesn't but sloking it doesn't make sense why that shelter having attached to his head caused this neck ruffle to sprout.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like it yeah. just seems like an unnecessary mm-hmm. flourish that they didn't really need to me.
1: Yeah. I think it's the one thing that's I think it works just as a point of you know, something unusual. But yeah, like it doesn't really do anything. There's no lore explanation for it. It's just kind of there
0: yeah now this now we can move on from this one if you're ready to a pokemon that i all around love
1: uh let's see i think only thing i have to say is the shiny well eh, two small things shiny's boring it's kind of a barney purple and the collar where it's red turns blue uh and secondly um there's very little distinction between this and slow bro like it's not other times when you have these split evolutions there's a clear distinction But with this, it's just like, well, they're both water psychic. Slow bro learns withdrawal and amnesia. Slow king learns swagger. Other than that, you know, pretty similar.
0: Yeah, and I will admit... And I'll admit that in the notes, I was referring to Slowking as the third stage evolution, and Michael corrected me that it is actually an alternate evolution for Slowpoke, which, as we mentioned, interesting to think about. What if the shelter attached itself somewhere else, which leads to other potentially potentially, uh, dirtier questions of where else the shelter could attach itself? Um, (sighs) Oh, darling. Anyway, um... But the issue with me is that, like, the, ne- the, uh, the nomenclature just seems to imply that this is the better version, and thus the third stage. So that's the other thing, is, like, you go from poke to bro to king, yeah, which is thanks. how everybody goes through a college frat life over the course of their <laughs> uh, college career. Um, and I, so I was, a li- like, I don't know why they didn't, like, choose something a little bit more equivalent to bro rather than something that is clearly superior that kind of carries the implication of being the next level up.
1: Yeah.
0: But I mean, I guess just the fact that it was new in Generation 2 and didn't exist in Generation 1, it already had the perception of being superior to slow-bo rather, Slowbro rather
1: than just an alternate. Yeah, I just wish that there was some way to make it more distinct is the thing.
0: Yeah, I mean the mm. weird thing is is that we have these kind of divergent paths already I mean we're gonna talk about them with fighting types in this generation as well where you have a, a pre-evolution of a fighting type that then splits into two others and things like that
1: three but it, like I love that I think that's a great touch like yeah and that works a
0: little bit more effectively in those cases and yeah. this one it just feels weirdly imbalanced
1: yeah yeah I don't I don't care for it I don't care for uh, I mean I I like it as a design, but I wish there was something more going on, like, in Mm -hmm. any way. So, yeah, let's move on to Miss Grievous, which is a pure ghost Pokemon, and this is the first time we've had one of those.
0: Yep, and it is our first ghost type of this generation. Only ghost type
1: of this generation. Ooh, really? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's, again, it's a big deal to finally have a pure ghost type, as we discussed in uh, Gen 1, the original trio of ghosts that we were given back then, were are ghost poison types are Mm -hmm. ghost poison types and thus you don't enjoy the full benefits of ghost immunity to psychic and so on and so forth
1: yeah Uh, like they were actually weak to psychic which was supposed to be why they were there
0: yeah and so mistrevis i think is just sets itself apart in terms of a really cool design with like with like the necklace accoutrements like it kind of has like this uh it kind of reminded me when i first looked at it um, because I'm that kind of weirdo that stays up reading ghost stories online and things <laughs> like that about the uh, about the infamous Brown Lady um, that has been cited and photographed numerous times at a mansion in England, mm. um, and I, you know, it just has that kind of feel of like this is a very real specter that like came from some kind of lore. Um, there is Japanese lore that this is supposedly inspired by, but I don't see a whole lot of. In terms of my internet research, I didn't see a whole lot of parallel to it, but let's start with the Pokémon in-world lore. Darling, do you know what Misdreavus eats? Fear. It eats fear. It eats fear that it causes, and now so...
1: (laughs) That's just, uh, you know, that's just sustainable. I like that.
0: It's real sustainable, and I love that about it. I think that, uh, I mean... One thing I'll say for it is, uh, you know, one thing that I do kind of want to sort out, because they don't really clarify this, is, is it eating fear like a Dementor eats fear? Like, it's coming and, like, sucking your soul away with the fear that it's eating? Or is it kind of removing your fear, and can it make you brave? Like, oh, shit, Misdreavus, I'm feeling a little bit scared right now. Can you, uh, can you help me get ready for my, uh, for my accordion competition and <laughs> eat my fear? And then, just... thanks, Misdreavus, ready to go.
1: If it's the latter, I feel like that would misgrievouses would be banned around any athletic competition just because that would be doping. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Better go talk to my ghost Pokemon.
0: I mean, I'm just thinking of like a bunch of bros out in like, you know, ATVing out in the uh, out in the <laughs> desert, and they're just constantly having misgivouses with them, so they try crazier and crazier shit.
1: <laughs> uh, Misgrievous doping will be a serious issue that we need to talk to the kids about.
0: So I'm willing to commit to that being the way it works in uh, in our show canon understanding of this because the other one is just way too dark. Yeah. <laughs> that these guys are literally eating your souls in order to drum up your fear. Um, in which case, yeah, they would be a really dangerous Pokemon for anyone to have. Like, you have a literal soul-eating Pokemon. Um, yeah. But yeah, so to go into the Japanese lore side of them, uh, Bulbapedia claims, and this is where I'm going to call... I've kinda of danced around saying this outright, but this time I'm gonna say outright bullshit on Bulbapedia with this little <laughs> factoid. They say that uh is inspired by a Japanese folklore yokai called the Roku Rokobi. Um, apologies for the uh, for the pronunciation. I'll link to the Wikipedia article below. But basically, this creature looks nothing like Misdreavus. It has its entire lore is that it's essentially people whose heads are either float fully away from their bodies or their neck stretch super long to give the appearance of their head to be able to give the appearance of their heads floating above their bodies um there is nothing about these creatures or these yokai uh like eating fear or being mischievous it's literally just like that's the entire story it's like oh hmm. his head was floating and then it wasn't
1: <laughs> that's like the whole no bit beca- that's the whole bit for these yokai
0: yeah, the story is just a beginning and an end. There's no actual middle. Like, it's the weirdest bit of... Like, at least, I mean, we've talked about other Japanese folklore that, uh, like, you know, the smiley, the smiling maiden with the uh, with the face mask and everything like that. Like, there's a clear beginning, middle, and end to those folkloric stories. God, she must um, be
1: having a great time right now.
0: Oh, she's doing great. She's yeah. just... She's out there right now socially distancing um, and just asking people how pretty they think she is. From six feet away. From six feet away.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um but she uh but yeah these i mean she has a clear aim which is to dupe horny men um these floating head demons yokai don't really accept to just like freak out normals like they're basically like every youtube prank video
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's just like hey look i can remove my head that's a bit
0: yeah like the only actual story i found on the entire wikipedia page was more or less like like, most of them were just accounts of, like, oh, a person saw said they saw this floating head. And that's it. It's just, like, something... It's just, like, yeah, that's it. But then the one time... The one that was actually kind of interesting was, like, this guy saw his wife's head floating in the middle of town and chased it back through the city. And then when she woke up, she said, yeah, I had a dream I was being chased through the city by you. What was that about? Wow. So it was basically, like, turning sleepwalking into a, uh, into a whole thing, but... Yeah, I've got, I've got nothing else to say about them. I mean, I love the Pokemon, but I just really had to harp on Bulbapedia for, like, this has nothing to do with Mistrevious. Nothing about this is like Mistrevious.
1: <laughs> well, going back to, you know, the dumb way that they place new monsters, like, I was talking about how Murkrow <clears throat> isn't available until Kanto. This one's even worse. Mistrevious isn't available until Mount Silver, which is the literal last area of the game, and you can't get it you can't access Mount Silver until you've gotten all sixteen gym badges. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That's I just mean, poor planning.
0: They kept us waiting for a uh, for a straight up ghost type this long, and then they freaking hold it off until the very very end of the post game. Mm-hmm. Come on, Pokemon yeah. people! You're supposed to be better than this.
1: Yeah. Um the shiny's great it's gold with just a little touch of olive beautiful and yeah i don't really have much more to say other than i think it's a great cute creepy balance which i've mentioned before i love when they do that uh, and they should have made it available earlier
0: yeah i um i'm a big fan of this i'm a big fan of this pokemon um, i'm looking forward to when we get to discuss the eventual evolution that they get miss magius Um, because they're definitely going to go down a different route with uh, the design, and I just think it fits a ghost typing really well. Um, But now we're going to jump to the uh, other side of the coin, to the ghost type, which is Unknown, a psychic type.
1: All right. Yeah, Unknown is a psychic. And let me put it this way. You remember the old exhibit Pimp My Ride meme?
0: Of course.
1: Yeah. This is the Pokemon version of it. It's basically, hey, dog, I heard you got to catch them all. So we put an unknown dex inside your Pokedex so you can catch them all while you catch them all. There are there were originally twenty-six forms of unknown. One for mm-hmm. every letter of the alphabet. Then Gen 3, they added a exclamation point in a question mark form. And yes, a special unknown dex was included within unknown's Pokedex entry so you could track which ones you have.
0: Oh, I remember seeing that and that I think that was where Pokemon finally lost me in this game. Like I remember distinctly playing through Gen 2 and thinking like I've got to find a hundred more of these things. And then like, cause I told you I had burnout going right from red, like right from blue into gold. Mm. Um, and then once I saw the unknown decks that expanded 36 shapes of the exact same Pokemon, I was like <laughs> dealing with the RNG just to get like one of the five Pokemon in a given grass patch that I want is already tough enough. But, but now-, now I have to fight through RNG for 30, for like 28 different Pokemon, different versions of the same Pokemon. No. No. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I can imagine that's what broke your OCD.
0: It is a a very good Pokemon, though, like, stats-wise. I mean, I'm not a huge Uh... stat junkie, but 336 base stat total, considering that I've seen other Pokemon that we've researched with base stat totals in the mid-200s. Sounds pretty good.
1: Well, here's the thing. It only has one move. Oh, that's a problem. It has hidden power. And let me put it this way. You mentioned, like, the frustration of having to catch all 26, layer 28 forms. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you wanted a specific letter and a specific type of hidden power, because how hidden power works is that it's labeled a normal move, but actually it attacks with the, you know, let's call it force, identity, however you want to describe it, of Mm -hmm. a different type, so based on the Pokemon's IVs. So you would have to go incredibly crazy if you wanted to get, say, a f unknown that was grass type hidden power
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you would have to do so much work for that and i don't see it being rewarding at all
0: yeah no but there somewhere out there is somebody who did that work and they are better for it
1: and they have it as a shiny somehow they lucked out
0: all right so yeah we started touching so we started touching on this guy's uh weird mechanics in the game so can you tell us a little bit about how you caught and found and tracked them in the game because this is where I'm absolutely going to go full Lovecraft. Um, but actually, I do want to take a moment to point out a great tweet that I saw from Exhibit a couple weeks <laughs> ago. Is um, <laughs> that somebody tweeted at Exhibit saying, like, Exhibit, can you please pimp my ride and add something into it? And he responded to her saying, uh, the fuck? That show got canceled 10 years ago.
1: Get yourself a job. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh,
1: that's good. That's good. Uh yeah, so Unknown, while I find them incredibly boring as an actual Pokemon, they are interesting in terms of lore, because mm-hmm. in the game we go to this area called the Ruins of Alf, which were you know, just these ruins had recently been excavated. There were scientists who were researching it. I think you got some reward for having every type of unknown. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Um so you would go in and there would be different chambers that you could access throughout the game using different abilities. Like once you learn how to surf, you could surf over to this one chamber and then each one you solve a riddle. And once you solve the riddle, that then gives like seven more unowned, let's say, uh, until eventually once you've solved all the riddles, all unowned forms will be available inside the Ruins of Alf. So yeah, like I think that's fun is like a little side quest. Mm-hmm. But the reward of catch all of these different unknown, that's just terrible.
0: So I mean, so I'll say that especially with the way the side quest was uh was constructed and everything like that, this just feels like it's as Lovecraftian as the Pokemon people are willing to get. Just because like and I also even incorporate the uh, fact that they appear to be letters of the alphabet into my mm-hmm. theory, which is that we're not seeing them in their actual shapes. What we're seeing is what our brains can put into a form for them. Because oh, apparently, like because in Pokemon, uh, there are hieroglyphs that are shown in the show where that like they're clearly taking on Egyptian alphabetic letters and things like that, and Greek alphabetic letters. And so I think that people are just seeing whatever they associate with their language of the time Uh, because the creatures themselves are expressed through logos or through a form of communication in their multidimensional plane. And when they breach into our dimension, our brains have to put them into some form of a linguistic expression that we associate. Um, That is not their actual shape. We are just seeing 36 expressions of them in our dimension. Um, The best way i've ever heard like the baffling nature of lovecraftian monster inexplicability being explained is that like imagine if you are a two-dimensional being on a piece of paper and we a three-dimensional being try to communicate with you well we can't enter the paper like we can't Mm. force our forms into the paper but what we can do is we can put our fingerprint against the paper for you to notice yeah if you're on the right piece of the paper So imagine that you are that two-dimensional being seeing this three-dimensional object pressing into the boundaries of your universe, and you're trying to comprehend that whole creature based on that fingerprint that is just broken into your universe.
1: I like that. I like that.
0: It's, yeah, it's my favorite way to think about it. So we are seeing the fingerprints of some other crazier being that thankfully is not totally malevolent. And this is Pokemon doing Lovecraft, and I'm absolutely here for it.
1: Yeah. I uh, just want to get back to the unknown decks. Uh, it's actually the unknown mode is what they're calling it in Gold and Silver. Hmm. So yeah, it lists all the unknown that you have, uh, not as, yeah in the order in which they are caught. So it's not alphabetical order. So again, your OCD would be having a field day here below.
0: Oh, it, my OCD gave up. <laughs> my OCD. Yeah. There have been moments, which we talked about last episode, where I've just looked my OCD in the face and I said, I will not let you consume me today, Satan. (laughs) I have just thrown, and I have like Isildur, like, thrown the ring into the fire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if you fill all 26 slots of the unknown mode, and I also want to add that unknown mode will show the unknowns and a word they spell out. The words don't really do shit, they're just there. So like A is angry, B is bear, C is chase, and so on. There's really nothing... There's no boost or anything. It doesn't matter what the words are. I don't even see the point. Uh, So yeah, fill all 26 slots and you'll be able to generate and print ALF Ruin stamps from the printer in the Ruins of ALF Research Center. And I assume that means this was something that you could print with the Game Boy Printer attachment, I think.
0: Oh man, the Game Boy Printer. I forgot that was a thing.
1: Yeah, it it was a Game Boy Printer thing.
0: It was like a little portable receipt printer was just, and it felt like the coolest thing. I feel like it used, like, fa- fancy fax paper, too, if I yeah. recall. I didn't have one, but...
1: Yeah, neither yeah. did I. I didn't have that or the camera.
0: Yep, yeah, but uh, you weren't really missing out. I mean, I think that was one of those, uh, sit- like, back in the Nintendo original Game Boy era, I remember Nintendo tried some stuff that it just was not technologically accessible to try at the time. Like, remember, they tried virtual reality with the Virtual Boy, mm-hmm. like... 30 years before the technology was ready for that to actually be a viable gaming system yeah but they still tried it and yeah. they tried the camera and they tried the printer and both of those things they could remake those things today much cheaper much more compact and much more much better quality performance
1: well i mean the uh the photo stuff i think was already built into the 3ds and nintendo yeah, exactly. at its heart has always been a toy company Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the difference between it and Xbox and Sony is oh, yeah. that the other two are tech companies whereas you know, Nintendo was a card company back in the 1880s. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes toys. like They approach every video game thing they do from a toy perspective so you wind up getting weird stuff like the Switch or the Wii U or the Virtual Boy and it doesn't always work but then you know you get a Switch for instance and it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun and it's a very clever device in terms of being able to play everywhere
0: yeah and i mean that is how they looked at producing their original nintendo system was it is a toy just like we are producing these cards and these other novelties this is something that we are making and that's why the hardware came first like in terms of like let's make a light gun to shoot ducks with yeah um Moving on, yeah. I'm... That's oh, about just, all I uh, really wanted
1: one, to... One note about the camera. Uh, Jeremy Parrish of Retronauts did a wonderful video that's on YouTube about the Game Boy camera and how it was ahead of its time and how it's still being used by interesting people today for weird purposes. So, yeah. Mm.
0: Well, go ahead and uh, close us off. Tell us about the shiny for this guy. Because yeah.
1: It's... Uh, I do think if there's anything else I want to say about Unknown first. Uh, the shiny is dark blue, which, it works. It doesn't really matter uh i feel like you know we've had people complain about the removal of pokemon from the games uh with the last generation the quote-unquote dexit as people were calling it Mm -hmm. but i can't imagine how sick the game freak team was of having to program every unknown shape into the game for every new game Mm -hmm. like i feel like if only one letter was made available in future games most people wouldn't mind
0: yeah i mean i kind of i don't know how they do that like sub-dexing it has to be a little bit more difficult and different than just putting the pokemon into a two straight dex and then having like this alternate dex yeah. for each of the forms well so yeah i mean glad not they just, gave themselves
1: yeah not just the uh the secondary dex but just the idea that they have to program in animation for 28 shapes of unknown
0: yeah no save yourself the trouble nobody game freak nobody appreciates it just spare yourself the trouble yeah
1: yeah, this was easier when they were still sprites, but now, yeah. All right, so moving on to another weirdo, Wobbuffet, who's also a psychic type.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, so this is another case of, oh, I totally thought this was a water type also, but I realized that I was just misled just because of the blue
2: hmm. uh,
0: coloration, but really it's just a, uh, now, and this actually clears up the whole thing, is that it's a cave-dwelling Pokemon, and yeah, I can totally see this guy kind of wandering around in deep, dank caves, just kind of minding his own business, and you know, his whole deal just being, oh, if something ventures into these caves and tries to mess with me, I will just automatically counterattack it, and then go about my business deeper in the caves. Yeah. Um, what's weird about that is, is that I do not get the whole Lovecraftian thing off of this Pokemon like I did off of the uh, off of Unknown. Like this, I do not have a vibe of like, oh, this is another creature that like. Came for, is the spawn of one of the great old ones, or something like that. <laughs> He's just a little happy hermit in this cave, just enjoying his cave moss or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um. I think the most important thing we have to talk about with Wabafay, Wabafet, Wabafet. Yeah. Wabafe. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, is that the female form looks like it's wearing lipstick?
0: I see. I'm now. I'm now. I have to look this up. I didn't notice this until. <laughs> you put this in the notes but yeah now
1: yeah Check oh wow out. yeah it uh <laughs> it's definitely <laughs>
0: adhering to uh gender norms for hmm. for like what wow that is a choice i literally
1: with anything else i would be like really but this womba Fett is such a weird looking pokemon to begin with that giving it lipstick is just funny to me like, if you did this on Squirtle or some other monster, I'd be like, really? Really? But since Wobbuffet is a total weirdo of a monster, I love that they're like, okay, this one we're just going to turn femme.
0: I mean, I love the fact that, like, when I looked up female Wobbuffet just a second ago, the first thing that I saw was this image of the two Wobbuffets standing, o- like, over a family of three little Wabafet. <laughs> and apparently that was in the actual anime, so. Of course. So, that's superb to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't the first time we've come across, like, a weirdly gender... And is this in the game also, or is this just something that they've done in the show?
1: No, this is in the game.
0: Oh, wow. So, this is... But it's, like, still considered a Wobbuffet. It's not, like, the Nido King, Need Nido, Arena, like... Yeah,
1: correct. This is... You know, they've made some variations where it's, like, there's a difference between the male and female. Most of the time, it's just something like, the thorax is a little smaller on Scyther, or the horns mm-hmm. are a little bigger or something like that later on yeah. we'll see a couple pokemon where it's clearly like the male has a bigger mane the female has a smaller mane that kind of thing like lions mm-hmm. but this is the only one where they've done like a human gender trait and it's just funny to me it's just funny
0: i mean it's also like but i mean it's not a gender trait it's straight up like a fashion it's a it's a fander it's a fashion gender norm or more or yeah. something like that. like it's 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 that this wabafet re- is born, realizes, "Oh, I am a female wabafet," and goes to find <laughs> lipstick that she will wear for the rest of her life. I mean, in the
1: wild, I feel like we are projecting lipstick onto it, and that it's just in the wild, it is well, it's born a why not, and then evolves into a wabafet. But you know, the female wabafet evolves and has that red around its lips.
0: Female why-nots evolve into female Wobbuffets when they find their first stick of lipstick in the wild. (laughs) That's their held item for evolution, is what Pokemon (laughs) Company is saying. Honestly, I find this more... I actually find this a little bit more difficult to wrap my head around than I did any of the other Pokemon we've met with clothing so far. (laughs) Like, I know you say that that's the one that confuses you, but this confuses me even more because this is just so weirdly, like, gender-specific and so gender-normative and then, like, specific to this, like, one Pokemon that it is putting on lipstick in the wild. I,
1: I don't think it's actually putting on lipstick. I think it just, it has a red thing around its mouth. I think that's just, like, a birthmark kind of thing.
0: Okay. That's yeah, still so weirdly specific. But
1: it does look like lipstick, and that's what makes it funny to me. Like, Wobbuffet is such a ridiculous-looking monster to begin with, that put lipstick on it or give it what looks like lipstick is very funny to me.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Wobbuffet in the show was definitely... He was definitely one of those cases where, like, when Team Rocket got the Wobbuffet, I got real tired of him real quick, and then he came back around to being funny again.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a rake joke.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but I mean, aside from that, there isn't a whole lot interesting to say about uh, about this Pokemon. Like, it has a high HP total for a psychic type, uh, just because it's. And also, I do like the design and the fact that, like, hey, this is a Pokemon that you're meant to punch, and then it kind of snaps back at you as the whole core oh, yeah. of its usage. And yeah, then
1: they use that brilliantly in Super Smash Brothers Melee, where if it came out of a Pokeball, it wouldn't do anything, unless it got hit, and then it just ricochet damage back on your opponent, so the great great tactic would be to, you know, use a ranged weapon to hit it while it was near one of your opponents, Hmm. because then that Wobbuffet just knocks it.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Uh...
1: The weird twist of these guys is that they don't learn any damaging attacks naturally. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, The only attack they learn that does damage is counter, and all of that is just based on the damage that was previously done to it. Uh, So it's all reactive or defensive, which really works for this punching bag concept that this Pokemon is.
0: Yeah, I mean, and speaking of the punching Uh bag, I like the fact that it looks like a punching bag. Yeah. Like, great design, doesn't feel too much like... And I mean, I've complained about Pokemon looking too much like the found objects that they're inspired by. Um, But this guy, like, is just clearly taking, like, notes and elements of a punching bag. Like, it's just big and puffy, but it still feels like a creature, you know oh, yeah so it's well, distinct enough
1: yeah also the okiya gari Koboshi doll which is a japanese doll with squinted eyes like Wapafet fett that stands back upright when you push it over you know like that what do you that was a toy when we were kids i'm sure it still is now what did we call it here it was something like a. it's not the weeble wobble because that's a different thing entirely but, you know, that kind of punching bag that you had as a kid. Yeah, that was I mean, I had, I had
0: one of those, and I think we just called them punch inflatable punching bags. Okay, like, I don't right. remember them having, like, a special name. Um, you know, they had, like, a little bit of sand at the bottom so that no matter when you punched them, they would just, like, come back up. I had a, I had one that was a Ninja Turtles one with Shredder on it.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, also, here's a here's a weird thing. Uh, for Bulbapedia, it's potentially based on uh, the Japanese comedian Sanpei Hayashiya. Uh, yeah. Uh, whose signature thing was to touch its head? Well, touch his head to his forehead, which is what Wobbuffet... Waba Wabafet. I don't know how to pronounce this one really. Uh, I mean,
0: I'm looking up. I am looking him up, and yeah, half the pictures on the first page of his Google image search are him touching his head.
1: Wabafet or Hayashiya? Uh,
0: Hayashiya. Oh, yeah. And there is a picture of him side by side with Wabafet. Nice, as well. nice.
1: Yeah, and so he would say that, and his catchphrase was, "That's the way it is, ma'am," uh, or. So Nansu Okusan. What is Wobbuffet's name in Japanese? So Nans. So basically, that's the way it is. So yeah, so clearly based on this comedian. Uh, moving back to it in battle, though, this thing is so annoying. Because I mentioned the bit about how it is a reactive Pokemon. It doesn't do any direct damage. Unless you hit it first. Uh, so... From Gen 3 on, it can learn... Well, it naturally has an ability called Shadow Tag, which basically traps you in a battle against the Wobbuffet. You cannot switch out your Pokemon. Uh, so, this led to a hilarious little problem, which was that if you put two Wobbuffets in a battle, it would never end, because they couldn't damage each other, because they don't know any damaging moves. They can't switch out because of Shadow Tag, So eventually they had to fix this in Gen 4, where it was like, okay, Shadow Tag now nullifies an opponent's Shadow Tag also. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, you can't can't have Wobbuffet on Wobbuffet Hell anymore. Thank God.
0: Which, yeah, is just like the glitched version of that nightmare scenario where Ash and that bug trainer Pokemon were fighting each other by both using Harden, which was one of the dumbest moments in the show.
1: Yeah, which is fitting for Ash. Yeah. So it's um, hilarious that this wound up being an actual problem in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Last thing I have to say. That's all I really say. have to say about uh, oh, okay. Wobbuffet. Yeah. Uh, last thing I need to say is that the shiny is another one of those blue to purples, which, yeah, looks cool, but I'm getting tired of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've kind of, I will say, um, you know, we mentioned that it works really well for Murkrow because it fits the typing, um... But I'm looking up Shiny Wobbuffet right now and I'm seeing pink.
1: Oh, yeah, it's kind of like. I think it's
0: a very bubblegum pink, actually. Yeah,
1: it started out really dark purple in gold and silver and then it's gotten progressively a little bit brighter.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I dig the fact, I dig if they're going to make any Pokemon bubblegum pink, I think the one that is shaped like a bubble kind of works.
1: Yeah. You know what my one problem with the bubblegum pink, though, is, right? Hmm. You can't see the lipstick. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's well. the lipstick is what they turn purple in that case.
1: No, it looks like it stays red, but yeah, like, this is a ridiculous Pokemon. I like that we've gotten, as I said, this was the total episode of Weirdos today. Uh, should we move on to our last Weirdo?
0: Yeah, and this last Weirdo is unfortunately, like, less of a Weirdo than it could have been. We're going to f- close off the day with Girafferig. Um, but, darling, God, why don't
1: you start us off with... Yeah. Uh, So, it does start off a little interesting. It is Normal slash Psychic. This is a unique type. It's the first time Normal has been paired with something other than Flying, uh, which, when I first saw this back uh, 20-odd years ago when Gold and Silver came out, I was stunned. I was like, you could do that? You could have Normal with another type besides Flying? Whoa. Do we want to... Do we want to start with what it actually is or what it could have been? Yeah, start? so
0: let's start with what it actually is because there are yeah. a couple different angles I want to take with the, uh, with the what it could have been. Um, so first off, what it actually is is literally a giraffe with a little chompy head, like the chomp on chains from Super Mario for a tail.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, that chomp is said to have its own little tiny brain, but it can litter, but it's only complex enough to process sensory information. It does not have its own personality, um, or complex ideation or anything like that. Um, so basically that saves us from the weird existential dread of, Oh, we have a creature with two brains and two personalities sharing the same body. Like which one is the dominant? Like, and that could be really interesting for a more mature franchise to explore.
1: Mm.
0: But, um, but what we have here is just a very simple, like, extrasensory uh, thing. Um, the other side of that is that the original... So the original design for this guy had yeah. it literally being uh, two two-head- a two-headed body with a very yin-yang design, where, like, the back yeah. end was, like, the darker brown of its hindquarters, and then you had the lighter yellow. And I think that's a really cool design. Yeah, um, like,
1: they still have that element to it like they have the color change in the back but they got rid of the second proper head like it was originally uh push me pull you basically from dr doolittle
0: yeah and i was um and i mean i'm thinking first off that that is the justification for the palindrome of the name it is the same backwards as it is forward Um, but then also um i'm thinking in a more action-based game setting if this is a boss that you're fighting at the end of a level, like you have to attack the front end with psychic attacks because that's the normal half, and then you have to attack the back end with, you know, normal attacks because that's the psychic half, and so on and so forth. I mean, that's something that we've seen done in RPGs since the dawn of RPG time. Um, I'm thinking now, uh, you know, because I just played the Final Fantasy VII remake, um, there is a boss just like that in Final Fantasy VII that starts off as half magic, half physical type, and then, depending on which types of attacks you favor, the second half of the fight becomes against the other type forcing you to change up your tactics. Hmm. Um, so, I, don't know. I think the giraffe. So, I think that, first off, the original design had so much more potential and was oh, yeah. so much more interesting. Um, yeah. And then we get to the real world inspiration for Giraffe Rig, which, again, speaking of that night that I crowdsourced, like this this was a Facebook status that got away from me I did not expect this many people to comment on that thing on a Friday night but it had I think it, I think it la- when it finally shut down like I had like 110 comments on it because nice. people just had different animals they wanted me to read about one person suggested giraffes so I learned that real giraffes are 20 feet tall um, this guy is five foot eight so I mean, Again, it just makes no sense to me why this generation. This has been a weekly episodic thing for me that I keep having to bring up. Like we have these creatures in real life that are fantastic and wonderful and, you know, majestic and all that stuff. And for no reason, they're making this thing five foot eight. Like, what is the?
1: Yeah, like well, four eleven is the height here uh, okay, on yeah, it up yeah. with Something else. Um, yeah, I think it's weird because it is stylized as giraffe but it's definitely more of a miniature horse
0: yeah it's not even as big as a horse yeah like actual giraffes are their heads get up to 20 feet or more tall Mm. and so there's no i don't know why they're so weirdly shy about having creatures with fantastical sizes why everything has to be more or less humanoid or just slightly above humanoid in height but like We have a diverse ecosystem in our real world, so it just makes no sense to me why they're placing these kinds of, like, ceilings on the scope and size of these creatures.
1: Um, It's weird to me that they haven't revisited the giraffe concept yet.
0: That, too. I mean, I think it's also one of those things where they kind of figure that regarding the lack of distinct speciations in our world. Like they can kind of revisit crows because, as I mentioned, there's a whole family that crows are considered oh, yeah. a part of that you have rooks, ravens, and all that sort of thing, and magpies and everything like that. So you can kind of revisit them. Um, seals, you can kind of revisit seals because you have, you know, arctic seals, land seals, you have walruses, sea lions, and all mm. that sort of thing. So you have variations, in the, you have speciation within the real world that we're all aware of. With giraffes, you don't really have a speciation of giraffes. You just have, there are like grass, high like northern giraffes, and there are slight differences. Some of, There are some differences in size and things like that, but for the most part, they're just giraffes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, but yeah, also think about how many cats we've had so far. Like, I think you could come back to giraffe. You could come back and do a better giraffe type. I will oh, say I agree. This, I like, mean, I would love it, but I'm, I'm just compl- I'm, yeah, I'm, just I'm playing
0: devil's advocate and explaining what I think their logic is. Oh, yeah,
1: is. of course. Like, I'm complaining about this a lot, but, you know, as Samuel Jackson says in Pulp Fiction, personality goes a long way, and I like Girafferig on the whole. Like, it's a cutie. Its typing is unusual. Uh, it's got a good moveset in the games. Like, I was able to put some electric-type moves on there, and that really helped me in a playthrough of HeartGold. Um, yeah, and I think the weird little head on its tail, I would have preferred if it were a proper head, but I like that it adds this... Element of kind of darkness and mischievousness to what's otherwise a sweet and good natured Pokemon.
0: Yeah, I like, mean, and the, I, I. The agree. rear
1: tail uh, head will suddenly lash out and bite if you approach it from the back. Like, I think that's a good little twist on what's otherwise is like a cute little Lisa Frank giraffe.
0: I mean, this is just such a weird situation to me that they had a really cool design. And they abandoned it. And I don't I don't see any notes on why they abandoned it. I don't know if they, you know... Because we've had Pokemon with multiple heads before. Um, yeah. Doduo and Dodrio. And it's just weird to me that, like, maybe they felt that was too much of a copy one generation later off Doduo. But this one has such a more, much more interesting design. And it, like, actually addresses a lot of the complaints we had about Doduo being so boring.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, I think... I think that could be part of it, is that they had a bunch of Pokemon in the first generation that was basically like, it's got multiple heads. And so they were like, let's let's try to keep away from that in this one. They'll then come back wish, to that later, but, yeah, you know.
0: I wish I knew more about celebrities' music and TV, because I'm sure there's a good joke about how, oh, somebody else did this thing really poorly, so somebody really talented doesn't get to do their version of it.
1: Oh, well, um... Vince Gilligan has said that if he had heard of the show Weeds when he was creating Breaking Bad, he wouldn't have done Breaking Bad. There you
0: go. So if somebody is like, this is basically Vince, this is basically the Vince Gilligan of Pokemon, if Vince Gilligan had heard of Weeds. Yeah. And yeah, that is really weird that if you just describe the premises on the surface, they sound like very similar shows Mm -hmm. and they are not at all. Yeah.
1: But yeah, Uh, that's insane thinking that, you know, if he had heard of this one other show, we would not have two shows, and probably a bunch of other interesting creations that have come out of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, thank God that Vince Gilligan does not subscribe to Showtime like very many people. (laughs) Um, Uh,
1: Showtime, a network that will let a show run for seven years after everyone stopped caring about
0: it. I mean, the other... Well, I think the even more overlooked premium cable channel is Stars. I was talking with, some, oh, I was yeah. talking with a friend about that recently that there are hit shows on Stars original programming. I didn't even realize Stars had original programming, far less that there are hit shows on it.
1: Yeah, American Gods, I think is the only thing I've ever watched on Stars.
0: There's apparently a pirate show that's really popular on it too.
1: That's where that is, Black Sails. I didn't realize it was a Stars show.
0: Huh. I feel like it is.
1: Well, huh. oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, there you go. Black sex. Quote a old AV club meme. WTF is Stars LOL.
0: <laughs> yeah, um yeah. I, mean, I forget I mean, that you... Stars TV shows exist until uh, it um Emmy time comes around.
1: <laughs> but they don't get nominated for Emmys.
0: They still they, I still I feel like I still saw a Star show for your consideration billboard somewhere. Oh yeah, definitely. Somewhere.
1: definitely. Definitely for um, consideration billboards. Uh, but yeah, Epics, uh, that's an even deeper premium cable channel, I think, that has original programming for some reason.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about something coming into our world other than for your consideration billboards and Shenyun advertising. advertising. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: let's talk about bringing the Pokemon into our oh,
1: world. Oh, sorry. Just last note, just one other kind of disappointing thing about Giraffe Rig, The Shiny also just looks like a rough draft. Basically, they take the pink elements of its nose and... Um, what do you call those horns on its uh yeah the points let's call them the points
0: oh yeah they really just recolor like three elements of yeah, this yeah they take
1: the snout and the points and turn them from pinkish red to blue they don't do anything the... on the body like it's very disappointing
0: yeah they don't even do anything with the like the little angry tail head
1: yeah seriously that's real sad yeah like they maybe make it a little bit darker like it's a gold rather than a yellow but yeah like It's barely noticeable, and I don't care for that. Like Giraffery deserves better. All right. I
0: already did a really good transition for it. I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) This is Monza World.
1: A celebration of
0: the harmony between humans and Pokemon. Given the size, I would say the giraffe rigs would make decent pets because they're only five feet tall, which is, there are dogs that are pretty close and comparable to that. I mean, as you said, they're mini horses. They seem really docile, but then also because of the tail head just being like a yip yappy sensory thing, it would make a really good guard or security animal, hmm. I'd figure. Yeah. Um, uh, because of the fear eating aspect, so long as it isn't eating your soul, I said, it, this harkens back to, I said the same thing about Clefairy. Um, but misdreavious would be really good at psych therapy, especially for treating uh, people with traumatic uh, stress and Ooh. things like that. Um, you know, if you're able to, in therapy, not worry about ha- triggering a mental breakdown or a mental episode because you're able to talk about things that are bothering you and have a misdreavious there that's like enjoying a snack on your th- on your fear.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> I'd have to imagine that helps if it works the way that I want it to work.
2: I'm
1: just, um, I'm just picturing a therapy mischievous. Uh, wearing a bib and just going, please, tell me how that makes you feel.
0: <laughs> and Murkrow is at the Amazon factory uh, with, I'd like to believe by now, wearing proper PPE equipment and is having its tail feathers yanked to signal for the start of a new shift and looking at us and shrugging and saying, that's eh, it's a living. <laughs> but that's that's all I have thoughts on for today.
1: Yeah. Uh, Murkrow, because it, steals shiny things would be used by gentlemen jewel thieves mm-hmm. uh and giraffe rig would be the mascot of a toy store that got murdered by vulture capitalists
0: so it'd be something like the Tomber crown affair
1: uh, ah. uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> i hate it i hate it uh since you've already modified a movie title, let's move on to Mon Mods. We go, we go.
2: Remix it had to go down. I got something else to tell you about
0: the... All new right, uh, my Mon Mod is very simple. I want the two-headed giraffe rig from yeah. the concept designs.
1: Same. They already brought back the idea of evolving Duck with Stick, so let's bring back two-headed giraffe rig as a Galarian variant. Uh, and while we're, you know, just on typing of things, Slowking King should be psychic poison because of the toxins in his brain. And since Wobbuffet's whole thing is fighting back, make it psychic fighting.
0: Ooh, I like that. Does, I forget, does Wobbuffet have an eventual evolution? I mean, I know we get a, uh, a pre evolution, but do we ever get an evolution?
1: For no, Wobbuffet? it stays in that wacky form. Hmm, that's fine. It does not, it doesn't get, uh, the female Wobbuffet does not get eyelashes to match its lipstick.
0: All right. Well, that's, uh, I'm with you on that. I do like the idea of a giraffe rig I mean, for some reason, as soon as you said giraffe-a-rig Galarian version, I pictured it in, like, a top hat and tuxedo with, like, a cummerbund. Um, and its little neck head, like its little tail head just wearing a red bow tie. And having a mustache. It has of a major d' mustache. Um, I like the
1: idea, but I think I prefer just, you know, classic, like, two-headed. Oh, yeah. So, what was lost shall now be found.
0: I mean, I just want to picture Giraffarig somehow being friends with, like, the Galarian wheezing. And just the two of them going about the town. Like <laughs> like Jeeves and Wooster.
1: <laughs> you just want Pokemon Top Hat.
0: I just really want Jeeves and Wooster dubbed over Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you're looking for something to watch with all the lockdown time that you have at home, classic really? Jeeves and Wooster with Hugh Lowry and Stephen Fry just oh, cannot God. be beat.
1: Yeah, they're so good. All oh.
0: right. So... Let's close off this uh, one-on-one episode with uh, my favorite segment, Mr. Darling.
1: Mon appétit. If you'd like my personal recommendation, mm-hmm.
0: surprise. Um. So this week was real tough. I don't know about you. I didn't really find a whole lot edible. Yeah. Except for giraffe rig because crows are bad luck to eat. Um. Wobbuffet just looks like real kind of tough, like, not good cooking. Like, I can't think of a real-world meat equivalent for it. I
1: feel like with Wobbuffet, based on how it works in the world, if you stick a fork into the meat, it just bounces back into you.
0: Yeah, that too. So how do you cook something that's just reflecting the fire and heat back at it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so... So, yeah, so I don't think you could eat Fett, nothing else. So I'm so I'm just going to have to go, like, the really simple route with, like, giraffe rig flank, um, cubed, make it into a stroganoff, serve it to me over egg noodles. Um, for those of you that don't know and are looking for cooking tips while we're staying in so much, uh, beef stroganoff is extremely easy to make, very tasty. Um, it really just takes beef, can of cream of mushroom soup, couple sp- basic spices, and boom, like, five minutes on the stove. Mm. Um, so that's been a go-to for my, for myself cooking more at home between my attempts at baking cakes that have failed spectacularly most recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to punt and do a throwback to episode 11, back when we talked about slow poke. Uh, I'm just going to say what I said back then, which is, according to the hunter Peter Hathaway capstick, hippo tastes somewhere between beef and lamb, so I'm going to have a good old-fashioned clam bake, take a slow, in this case, king, uh, mm-hmm. Boil the shelter like a clam with slow king sausage, some cloncher, some craballer, corn, potatoes, and spices, and then give me one of those giant pots that cartoon cannibals have.
0: I love it. All right. I think Thank that you, me, us from home. last year. <laughs> we now have an archive of episodes that we can go digging back through for Mon Appetit recommendations, <laughs> the Mon Appetit cookbook, as it were.
1: I'm just glad that I found, if not multiple, the same way to cook hippo twice. Hippo, the other, other white meat.
0: That's it's a good callback, reminding people that, hey, this terrifying river monster can actually be eaten by, somebody, by people who are apparently brave enough to take them on.
1: I mean, honestly, the most fascinating thing about this podcast experience for me has been finding out what certain animals taste like.
0: And that's always good learning. If you guys want a great uh, image also, just Google running from hippo and... Cause there's this one, uh, picture that I remember of, um, this, of a park ranger running from a hippopotamus and this is like life-threatening shit because hippopotami are just terrifyingly dangerous. Um, and yeah, the resulting Photoshop images included in that same Google image search are very worthwhile. (laughs) Um, but that's uh, that's gonna do it for us this week, uh, Michael. What have you got going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, how are you keeping yourself occupied between these little chats and episodes?
1: Uh, well, Baloo, you know how you stop a hippopotamus from charging?
0: Uh, cancel your credit card.
1: Well, cancel its credit card. But yes, all right. Well, that's all from me.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to step on your joke there. That was a total knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> I, I've i got my other podcast going. Uh, we're doing the Heroes Rewatch. All the episodes are available on NBC. Uh, we released uh, the episode for the pilot uh, today, I believe, and we are recording the episode for episode two. That'll be coming out in a week. Um, real interesting going back to the show and seeing kind of like the first big superheroes thing on TV before superheroes became a standard commodity in the world. Hmm. Um, and also kind of like seeing how the show will have its downfall sort of in advance of that establishment of the superhero commodity. Um, Pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, it goes downhill really sharply in the second season, as I recall. Mm. But in the meantime, we're still in the good old days. So join us for that. It's called Save the Cheerleader, Save the Podcast. And otherwise, uh, you can follow uh, the Mon Men Pod on Twitter at Mon Men Pod. Uh, Mr. Darling is at Future Has Been. I am at YWHY underscore Baloo, B A L L O O. And uh, everybody, stay home, stay safe, and stay healthy.
1: Yeah. Watch out for hippos. All right. Thanks for being here.
0: This morning I woke up in the fortress, a distortion, I'm at war with my emotions, I'm at war with the enforcement, trying to fight for what's right and got sidetracked,
2: where well, your mind that never mind that, Get me thinking of blink. you swimming, you sinking, you wouldn't, you leaving the heaven, I loaded my weapon. I stay with my brother. And I pray for protection. My prayer in my sight, so I'm doing what's right and not asking no questions. I wanna be home free, where's one though it's lonely? But I'm ready and waiting for my day of salvation, and I'm patient. Ooh.